Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome back to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler with the latest episode in our founder series where I get to talk to the founders themselves about those early weeks and months of starting a new digital advertising business. How true they've remained to their initial principles and values and what company names got canned along the way. This week, it's the turn of Goodloop's founder and CEO, Amy Williams. Goodloop, for those unaware, is an ethical ad tech business that uses online ad revenue to support charities and amazing causes around the world. And not only is Amy in the very niche, rather glib club of female ad tech CEOs, but she's also been part of the coveted Forbes 30 under 30 list, included in Ad Age's Women to Watch, and is a UN Women Global Innovator. We talk about loads of stuff, from her days at Ogilvy, where she treated colleagues to a sneak peek of an embryonic idea that would go on to become Goodloop, her pride in achieving B Corp status for the company, and the impact of getting the likes of David Jones's You and Mr Jones on board as investors. And somehow, we spill into how she ended up sharing a stage with MC Hammer, in a clubhouse room. But I started by asking Amy about the opening blurb on the About Us page on the Good Loop site, which reads, let's be honest, online advertising isn't as good as it should be. Frankly, it should be an industry that has a positive output, right? Mm. It does more good than harm. And it has the potential to really meaningfully do that. Mm. that. I don't think that is an unrealistic ask, you know. It is a $600 billion industry. It is an industry centered on shaping public opinion, reshaping public behavior, informing and educating and changing opinions. And that is really, really important. Mm. And so I think it's an industry with a huge amount of potential and a huge amount of good that is already done. Um, You know, that's why I work in this industry. I love it. Uh, But I just think that, you know, with much responsibility comes mm. wait what is it with much power comes much responsibility and sometimes that responsibility gets a little bit left at the wayside take us right back to the very start and i mean i mean you studied psychology you got a first no less it's sort of an interesting <laughs> world to be in when we're in a world now where we're trying to change people's behavior so i'd imagine that's sort of coming quite handy no i think that's the first time my degree has ever been mentioned <laughs> by anyone <laughs> it's one of those things that you you know you work so hard to get and then it's never ever mentioned again <laughs> but yeah I do have a first you're right let's yeah, chat about that let's celebrate it. <laughs> um and I loved it I loved studying psychology mm. it's such an interesting topic you know the human brain is this massive mystery plonked on the top of our necks and we just don't understand it and we think we're separate from it as well right mm. we're talking about it like it's different from you and me but it's the thing that's triggering me to say this and yeah. that just blows my mind and um the the wonderful thing about psychology was sort of how we frame decision making how we react to our environment and honestly how little independent thought we really have mm. you know we are all just products of our of our environment and we think that we make these complex decisions about the life we want to lead but really we don't we just we're just like an amoeba reacting to what's around <laughs> us it's just that we've got slightly more complex surroundings and so that gave me a few things really it gave me the foundations for my career in advertising it got me my first job mm. 
And um, I was really, really fortunate to work at Ogilvy. Ogilvy are such a established powerhouse of, of advertising. And, yeah. I, you know, I learned from the best and I, I learned the, you know, the traditional proper roots of doing things with process and with, with um, you know, established structures hmm. um, around how to build a brand. And that, that was such an amazing foundation. So I, I, I do credit some of that with doing psychology. I think it's a really smart degree to do if you want mm. to get into advertising. Yeah. But it, I think it also, it, it, it set me up to see, going back to your first question, you know, it, it framed how important this industry is because, you know, it made me realize how it's such a big part of the decisions we make. T- take us take us back to Ogilvy and um, w- w- when did the penny drop or at what point did you think you know maybe I wouldn't do this forever and, and maybe there would be something else which ultimately went on to become good loop what, what, what was that moment do you remember it um I, I remember a few moments hmm. I remember I remember the moment I got the first beginnings of the idea and it was after work I was on a run. I was, it had been a really long day and I went for a run. I was running around Clissold Park and um, it, it often happens to me that I get ideas when I'm running. Really? I think it, it is a part of that, like, you're, you know, you're flooding your brain with oxygen, yeah. you're breaking out of your s- static life and mm. you're just getting, you know, you're getting a bit of perspective. And so it's a, it's a really useful, important part of my day. And um, this particular run, I remember sort of running and thinking about like, God, it's, you know, people could, you know, if we could use some of this advertising and get people to engage with it and ad blocking is a real problem. And if we could, you know, it was these really like beginnings of yeah, thoughts, yeah. but it all felt quite exciting. And I remember running into my room, um, running, you know, home from the run, diving onto the bed, grabbing a piece of paper and a pen and just scribbling. And it sounds, it sounds like a, like a movie. And I'm really, I'm not making it up. That is literally what I did. <laughs> And I and I was like a crazed woman, like scribbling in these in these pieces of paper. And I had them laid out all over the floor and I was drawing ideas and I was um, just trying to get it all down because I had the worst memory ever. And I was just like, if I don't write this, I'm going to just forget it. Um, and I, my, my partner like brought me dinner to my room that night and I ate it while scribbling. Wow. And um, and I just felt like. God, there's something cool here. Like the, the original idea is nothing like what Goodloop is today. The, the original idea that I, you know, was scribbling on the floor that night was basically like a Snapchat for movie trailers. And um, <laughs> every time you watched a movie trailer, you could unlock a donation ah. funded by the movie, you know, fu- funded by the film studio, mm. and that donation would go to a charity that was linked to the film, the story in the film. And so I, I kind of, I, I did an online UX design course, and then I designed the UX of this app, all, all in my spare time while I was working <laughs> at Ogilvy. And, um, and then I made a PowerPoint presentation, because that's, you know, all you learn to really oh, do at yeah. Ogilvy, is make PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. And I took it around people I knew at Ogilvy. I, I just sort of emailed them and say, look, can I buy you a coffee and take 15 minutes just over lunch break and I sort of did it on the DL whilst I was still at Ogilvy and and got feedback from people how did people react um I would say some were polite and positive Mm. and some were polite and didn't get it at all right but no one was over the moon head over heels excited about it like it it didn't quite land and I couldn't figure out why Mm. but I also found myself looking forward to those coffees in the day as like the highlight of my day right you know okay. all the other stuff I was doing yeah. over, we were sort of just yeah. this 
filler around the 15 minutes where I'd get to talk to someone about this shit app I'd designed myself <laughs> in my bedroom. Um, and so, yeah, one thing led to another and I just thought, look, I've, you know, You've got, to, you've got to work as hard as you can to mm. find the bit of your job you do for mm. free. And then you just got to try and fill as much of your day with that. And, mm. and for me, this idea was such a combination of the things I loved about advertising, right? It was about purpose and about finding charities and causes that align with the storytelling behind the film. And, mm. and I was working in my Ogilvy role. I was working on the Unilever account. And Unilever have so much fantastic work yeah. around purpose. Yeah. You know, they've, they've really led the way on it in terms of both strategically building a brand that actually means something but also executionally you know thinking about how they put them put, put their words into action yeah, through yeah. the mm. the way they cast their films through the way that they fund it through the way that they partner with charities like it's a very holistic and authentic approach to purpose and i learned loads and i was super inspired by what unilever were doing and, yeah. and what we were doing with them so um anyway i found a course online that was um in chile it was a three-month <laughs> residential course just outside of Santiago. So super wow. convenient. And um, it was in like, have you got an app idea? Join this course and you'll learn how to develop it. And I was like, I've got an app idea. <laughs> I want to go to Chile. So I, um, I signed up for this course and handed in my notice on the same day. Um, and yeah, flew to Chile to do this strange course I found on the internet. That wow. was uh, incredible and, and completely unlike anything I've ever done before. I mean, I need, I, I learn loads and I and I have this little network of Ch Chilean entrepreneurs <laughs> that I'm friends with now. And uh, yeah, just, it was great. When Good Loop Chile finally, the expansion rolls out, then, you know, you're going to Oh my be, God, I've sorted. You're going to hit the ground running. Um, uh, at what point from there then did you meet Dan? So Dan's your co-founder, isn't he? Um, uh, how did How did that come about? That was quite a bit later. So I um, I worked on the business on my own for almost a year before I met Dan. And um, it was very much a case of having 100% of nothing. Whereas right. when I met Dan, we split the business 50-50 and we had 50% of something. Right. Because okay. without Dan, right. you know, I am literally just PowerPoint slides. <laughs> like, he is the one that builds it. <laughs> He's the one that actually takes ideas and puts them into action. And, and we're such a good team in that way. So um, was, his, was there, his background advertising or media or anything? Yeah, like, right. well, he built white label advertising technology. Oh, so right. he he built a lot of the um, the the technology that powers cookie targeting around the internet and, oh, and, and okay. various things that mm. I think you know paid the bills and were an exciting academic challenge. But then when he kind of looked at the bigger picture, he was a bit like, mm. well, I don't really know if this is the side of the industry I want to be in. So yeah, yeah. He, he actually was at a very similar place to yeah. me, even though we were coming from different perspectives, which is like, I've got this skill set. I love this industry. I'm having a good time, but I'm not super proud of the yeah, output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's why I think we bonded so quickly over this idea, it enabled us to use our skills in a way that we could be proud of. Did you, um, uh, at what point then, so, is, so Dan is based at so the Scot as a Scotland connection, isn't there? So Dan is in Scotland. Uh, did you did you ever foresee that you would do it in Scotland or did you know you always kind of needed to be in London where media and advertising exists and you need to go and talk to the people who are going to buy this stuff? Yeah, it was a bit of a, a hiccup meeting a, a developer based in a different country, but... 
it's actually worked out really well. Hmm. I mean, there are challenges, of course, with having a split team, but it means that we have, um, you know, this fantastic hub of Edinburgh, which has amazing AI and data science universities. Like the, the talent up there from hmm. a technical point of view is incredible. The cost of living is lower. Yeah, our yeah. office is like half the price of our London <laughs> office. You know, all these little details that, that mean for a startup, it's really great. And you layer on top of that, that the Scottish government is super supportive of young businesses. Really? I mean, I I can't speak highly enough of Scottish Enterprise and the support they've given us, mm. you know, whether it's helping us fund our first salesperson so we could mitigate some of the risks around that, or they fund trade missions and trips to other countries to help us with our exports. Wow. They have a whole host of global Scots, these sort of this sort of dispersed network of, of Scottish people that help <laughs> other Scottish businesses around the world. I mean, I can call up a Scot living in Dubai and get immediate access to their network in, in like a country I've never been That's to. So good. It's it, 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 it honestly is incredible. I so so wholly wish I was Scottish but I'm not <laughs> uh, but Dan has lived there for uh, a very long time he mm. did his master's in in Scotland he met his wife up there and he now has his family there so mm. it was always that he was going to be there he it, it, we were never um, talking about moving him right. down and it yeah. was really just about how can we make it so that he runs the tech team there mm-hmm. whilst I build a commercial hub here in London and Got it. and now we're looking at New York as well wow um, and then from from that point, were you were you literally at the point where um, you had some of your own money and you both put it in? What, what point did you start thinking about investment and how you were going to fund this thing? That now it was on its feet. Um, pretty quickly, actually. So I met Dan. Well, I met Dan online. He was a complete stranger. Um, <laughs> you know, I posted on a forum. Yeah, we'd never oh, I met. You, and... I thought you sort of had, were, had a shared contact or something. Oh no, no. Oh, wow. I, I posted on a forum and um, sort of said, you know, I'm thinking of this idea. I'm looking for people. Uh, I think I said the phrase sweat equity only, which is a very polite <laughs> way of saying I'm not going to pay you a penny. And um, and so Dan phoned me up. And so I flew up to Scotland to meet this strange man from the Internet. And and, and it was pretty, pretty clear from the beginning that we we had a good idea. Mm. We had, you know, someone on the commercial side that could drive that forward. And we had a developer who could build the product. All we needed was a little bit of startup capital. Right. And so that after those initial meetings and those sort of chemistry meetings, that was really the top priority. It was mm. just, you know, we needed sort of, we worked out we needed sort of 20, 30 grand in order to validate the concept. Mm-hmm. So I started, I flew back to London and I basically focused 100% on that. Um, and I was very fortunate to be able to meet Rose Lewis. So Rose Lewis at the time was running a startup accelerator called Collider. They focused exclusively on advertising technology and marketing right. technology. And she was just starting to plan their their um, their January cohort of startups. Each startup in that cohort would get 50 grand to be invested in the business and a network of amazing wow. angels from mm. the space. So um, I charmed her and uh, <laughs> she gave us an opportunity to pitch. We got funding through Collider. Wow. And so... I met Daniel for the first time in September, and by January first, we had we had funding, and we were, we were going. And how's it been going from there? I mean, the, one of the most notable uh, is, of course, David Jones's business, um, who invested. I mean, he's incredible. He spoke at one of our events a couple of years ago, and um, uh, Nick Henry's just gone to work from him to do the media bit. I mean, yeah. such an incredible 
very uh, uh, different type of, of business. I mean, um, how's that been? And you talked a little bit about, you know, network of Scottish people across the world, the network through Collider. I mean, there must be a network of people within the different types of investment that you get as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And David Jones is a fantastic is he? Mm. networker. I mean, you know, he is he's one of those people that's so good at connecting and mm. seeing the links and just opening up his black book. He's very generous with that. And and so it was a very strategic investor for us. We were super fortunate to have someone like you and Mr. Jones on our cap table because they invest in businesses that make marketing faster, cheaper, more effective. And Goodloop, you know, we are a social business. We use ad money to fund good causes, but fundamentally we do that because it makes marketing more effective and it drives, you know, it makes your media work harder. And so to be able to align ourselves with a, with a, um, you know, investment firm that has that thesis, it really helps us cement our position in the market as some, Mm. you know, a serious advertising business, not a, fluffy little charity thing on the side and and we've really fought for that for that position and that reputation and that comes through aligning yourself with people like David learning from people like David but also um yeah like earning their investment and Mm. and showing and showing you know through results that we can really deliver um and the and the you Mr Jones network is phenomenal they (laughs) have such a an amazing group of people there Mm. um both in New York and in the UK We've got, you know, other companies in the group that we've lent on and collaborated with, um, as well as the leadership team who are just in their own right. Yeah. Amazing, um, amazing connectors. Yeah. Well, the other thing you did as well, which sets you apart, I mean, the, the business, the model itself is very, very unique in terms of giving um, part of that money to charity is very, very unique. But the other thing you did, which stands out was you went and got accredited with B Corp, which is a... A, a, a fairly exclusive club not in the way that it, it doesn't let other people in but it's it's pretty tough to get you have to be really committed and it's all about businesses with purpose it's all the things that you you talked about at the very start how was that process of um getting accredited and what was the where did it come from what was the motivation to get that sort of that b corp stamp i'm really proud of it honestly it's one of the achievements that I really hold dear mm. is being credited as a B Corporation. And as you say, it's not easy. You no. have to really work hard for it. You have to earn it and you have to constantly refresh yeah. it. So um, so it's something that we are you know, very active in and very proud of. The reason we did it was we as a business work to help brands deliver on their purpose in meaningful ways, right? Mm. That's that's Goodloop's mission, first and foremost, is we work with brands across the whole spectrum of different um, sectors, right? Whether it's Adidas or McDonald's or Coca-Cola, you know, we take their purpose and we help them deliver on it by actually funding on the ground impact. And so in order to position ourselves as experts in that space, I think it's really important that we also look inwardly and make sure that we're being authentic and that we are living up to those standards that we're expecting our clients to to also live up to and b corp was just a really great way of doing that because it's it's you know fully transparent Mm. you can go on the b corp website you can see exactly what good loop scored you can see how we score on our worker rights and our worker empowerment you can see how we score on our environmental impact and our sustainability initiatives a great way of empowering consumers or the public to make better decisions about what brands they buy into. It, it's really exciting, actually. We're starting to see retailers 
use the stamp to help yeah, yeah. shape shopper behaviors, right? Mm. Like the Ocado website has a whole section for B Corp and Boots now call out B Corp yeah. products within their stores. Like this, this, this is really meaningful mm. progress because, you know, as soon as you start to get the public understanding what that stamp means, you start to create a competitive advantage for those that have it. Yeah, and there, there aren't, there aren't a ton of businesses in our world in our in our bubble that have that have got it as well so i think it i, I really do think it is a um a real usp for you guys let's just talk about um um talk about the model a little bit and, and what you create and what you create for doing that is, is donations in there was a, a fantastic piece that I read that in uh, 2020 you'd or you'd reached a million in donations, which is just huge. For, for the slightly uninitiated, if they're not aware of Goodloop, they should be if they're listening to this podcast. But if they're not, just explain the mechanic and, and how that bit works. It's super simple. We take creative from advertisers, a piece of video creative they might already be using on YouTube or on TV or Facebook, they don't have to produce anything new. We wrap it in an interactive format and then we distribute it programmatically across premium publisher sites like The Guardian, The New York Times, Lad Bible, Reuters. And essentially, Goodloop sits in the skippable pre-roll. So it will sit before you watch a video on those publishers mm -hmm. and you can skip at any point. It's always a choice we never would force of you. But if you choose to sit on your hands and not press that tempting skip button, <laughs> then you unlock a donation funded by that advertiser and you can choose from a short list of charities which one you would like to support. So the user gets to do good for free simply by giving that advertiser a little bit of their precious time and attention. Yeah. And the advertiser gets a proactive and positive user experience and a, and a positive view but we also look a lot at the brand sentiment shift. You know, we see on average a 60% uplift in brand love. Uh, we just ran a fantastic mm. campaign with, with Reebok and we really shifted the perception that they invest in their community, which is a really big metric for them. Um, as well as, you know, the important stats like ad recall. We find Goodloop ads are on average 50% more memorable because of that donation mechanic. So across the board, it's about, fundamentally, it's about using the charitable donation as a way to make the media space work harder. I mean, that, that's why I called it Good Loop, actually, mm. was this idea mm. of a virtuous cycle yeah. where you, you use social impact to drive business results. And um, do the, if Unilever come to, come to you, have Unilever got charities in mind that they want to support in that shortlist when the, when the, when the user interacts with the format? Often, yeah. It, it can really vary. I mean, mm. Unilever, in that example, they are very... Um, connected with charities and they have a huge range that they support so in that in that case it might be that they already come to us with certain right. charities when we work with Dove we support UN Women when we work with Noor we support local soup kitchens and food mm. banks you know it, it's always about aligning the charity to the brand's values and the brand purpose um, however, in other cases, we have brands that don't know what charity they want to support, and they'll give us a brief, and we will match make, and we can ah, nice. kind of we can do a matchmaking service and do the recommendations. Um, you just uh, when you've been talking, it's just <clears throat> it's, it's really really apparent from you know posting before you met Daniel, you know posting on an open forum, going to people in Ogilvy with a laptop, trying to things. Your um, uh, you're, you're so sort of open and collaborative and, and do you, is that a sort of that's an essence of, of good loop 
the people you hire, the way you go about your business. You're not this, you'll be certified. You're not this sort of kind of closed shop and this is how the thing works, we go and do it. Um, I know we've talked about collaboration before, but um, how would you rate the industry on how we collaborate to maybe solve some of these big challenges, be it measurement or inclusion or, or any of these things? It feels like it comes very natural to you uh, and, and good loop, but how are the rest of us doing? I wonder if that's just because I've had to start with nothing. Mm. So if I didn't lean on other people, I wouldn't have got anywhere. And I've had to get much more comfortable with asking for help and admitting when I don't know something or um, mm. you know, being humble enough to spot your own blind spots, I suppose, is a really important part of being a founder. Yeah. Um, and so it, I wouldn't say it comes naturally so much as it's, it's a survival instinct when you're <laughs> a small business. Uh, but but I do think that collaboration in our industry is a really interesting topic, actually, and mm. it's a fabulous segue to the IAB, of course, because <laughs> you know, there are there is so much that we need to fix, right? And there is so much complexity and opacity in yeah. what we do, and you know, spe- specifically for us working in the programmatic space, we've always got this stat hanging over us, mm. right? That you put a pound in and thirty p ends yeah, up at the yeah. publisher. It's not good enough. It's not good enough because advertising fundamentally has to be a value exchange mm-hmm. and the public has to get something in return for that advertising and the value exchange at the heart of the online advertising economy is free open media mm-hmm. you know free open available news that keeps our democracies free keeps us informed keeps us safe frankly mm. and so you know where we see a decline in local news and we see ad blocking on the rise all of this has come from a lack of collaboration a lack of conversation um and a sort of a, a land grab that that um that unfortunately doesn't benefit the consumer or the publisher mm. so um i am really excited about some of the positive changes that we've seen in the industry recently actually you know i i think all of the stuff that happened last summer with the Stop Hate for Profit movement, yeah, yeah. that was industry triggered. Over a thousand brands boycotted Facebook for the month of July. And, and people say, well, they went back and nothing changed. Well, I don't think that's true. I think what changed is that we had a very public and very open conversation about the role that advertising plays in funding good or evil in the world, right? It can do both. Yeah. We can, it can fund quality news or mm-hmm. it can fund hate speech and, and fuel misinformation. And, and taking responsibility for how much of a role we play in society is such an important first step. And that's where collaboration comes in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to embarrass you slightly. I hope you don't mind. Um, mm. You're nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30, Ad Ages, Women to Watch in 2020, a UN Women Global Innovator. You're a female founder and a female CEO. You're 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 not yet at the pinnacle of your career. You're not at the end of your career. You're kind of getting there. You, you have this. Um, I don't know if you sense that sort of. You've got a platform responsibility. I imagine there's probably lots of young women in this industry, women full stop, that look up to you as someone. We don't see lots of Amy Williamses, I guess. Do you sort of embrace that, and you, 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 you go out and you sort of seize it with, um, but by the scruff of the neck, and and make the most of it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I do. There are so many reasons why being a woman in business, or being a a woman in tech, mm. or you know, whatever label you want to want to give it, there are so many reasons why you're at a disadvantage, and I've had, I mean. <laughs> This this experience is seared into my brain. 
I once was sat in, in, it was in this accelerator actually, right? So it was in this Collider accelerator. There were seven startups on the, on the cohort. I was one of the seven founders. And the speaker was a VC coming in to talk to us about funding. He was informed that someone in the room was the social media manager and that he should give them his Twitter handle. And he just beelined for me and was like, yeah, I'm um, at Nile123. And I was like, I'm a founder, you asshole. The social oh, media manager that guy. <laughs> like, you know, that moment where you just think like, there, there's probably 15 times that that's happened in someone's head. And this is the only time it's been, you know, I've, it's come out into the open, but mm. it, it it was a horrible little reminder of how like those biases exist. Yeah. And I've had a few others, you know, I've had people say like, oh, don't be, a, don't be afraid to ask for it. And you're like, why would you say, I'm not afraid. Do I seem afraid? Like, <laughs> do you tell the men that? Like, that's insane to say. You know, there's little languages and little things and you just, and yet you, you have to, you have to just power on. Mm. But the thing that I get my energy from and the thing that I find so emboldening about the experience of being a, a, a woman in this space is how much support there is and how much overcorrecting is being done. Mm. You know, the, the UN Women uh, campaign that you mentioned there, I was so proud to be a part of that. And it was this incredible global initiative it's where huge. the UN like called out women that were doing amazing things and oh my god some of the other women on the on the on that list were just ludicrous and i was i was like super starstruck and the you know the the women to watch with ad week um ad age the women to watch mm. with ad age that again is a list of women that are just so inspiring and and it's amazing to be to feel like i'm you know their peer and so what i would say is of course I lean into it. Like you've got to use what you've got. And yeah. being a woman in tech or in whatever you want to call it is something that I can use to help create a platform for myself and for my business. Mm. I don't I don't want it to be the case that I have to make it a special thing that I that I have am a certain gender. Of course yeah, yeah. we would much rather if that wasn't even part of the part of the story or part of the narrative. But um I don't think that any woman listening to this should ever be afraid of, of of leaning into it because um you know the, the deck is stacked against us let's yeah. use what we've got yeah totally um i would love to ask you a, a couple of very quick questions um just before we finish how important is the hyphen in good loop between good and, loop? <laughs> and do you get annoyed if people ever leave it out oh this is such a sore spot i am really <laughs> mad at you right now Why? so basically because the, the reason it has a hyphen is that at the time we couldn't afford the domain without the hyphen. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> and now it's like in our brand and I can't really undo it. And oh. now it just is a thing that we just have a hyphen. And so, yes, it's very important. James, never forget it. Um, what about any names that you uh, brainstormed before you got to Goodloop? Were there any that, that didn't make it? Um, that is a really good question. I, I have a, a deck somewhere where it was called You Good. You Good. And Ads for Change was another one. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a ton, actually. I, we did like a big brainstorming. I got like a few friends over and bought loads and loads of wine. And I put <laughs> paper up on a wall. Like a, I basically covered a wall in paper and gave everyone Sharpies and was like, drink wine and draw on the wall. And like, this is our brainstorm. And good loop was because we were doing like circles, virtuous circles, like something about win-win, win, win, win like that. And you know, we got to 
it's a good loop. And, and then it's also that fun game of being like, that's an amazing idea. Oh, the domain's taken. Oh, that's an amazing <laughs> idea. Oh, the, the Facebook page is gone. So, yeah, naming a business in like the 21st century is way less uh, creative. Yeah, that's than... good. And credit, you must have had some good um, sort of apprentice team names in there as well after the wine, sort of synergy oh, yeah. and stuff like that, which was good. Um, dynamism. D- d- dynamism. Um, last question. And I said this um, to you before. You're, uh, whenever you're on Clubhouse, and I think it says more about me than it does you, I get the notification saying Amy Williams is in Clubhouse. Now, what do you love, if you do love, um, about Clubhouse? Because it's very, very early adopter. I mean, it's, um, I honestly can't get my head around it. I think I'm too impatient. I want to get up on the stage and, and, and talk rather than listen. But uh, have you got lots from it? Um, I've got a few bits from it. Hmm. I have got a few bits from it. I think... The good thing is about it is it's very democratic. Like the other day, I was on stage with um, MC Hammer, just <laughs> like on a stage. We were, yeah, that's, we were just on that's stage needs together. to go on the LinkedIn. I think that's tremendous. Uh, a very surreal moment, and he was like <laughs> chatting about his time in the army and how that inspired him as a leader. And then I was talking about my role as a leader, and I was like, this is insane <laughs> that these two are comparable. Um, so there's the, 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 the democracy of it and the accessibility is, is really amazing. Yeah. Um, the downside is the quality. Like it is so, you have to go through a lot of crap yeah, to yeah, find yeah, something yeah, good. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, almost, I almost liken it to podcasts without any of the intelligence. <laughs> it's just lots of people having a point of view. Um, and that can get a bit tiring. It's so true. You really have to sort of wade through it. It's sort of roulette. You go in and you listen. Yeah. I'd imagine this is what like... Um, when you used to send demo tapes to record labels and someone used to sit there and listen to sort of first and second, if it's no good, you like chuck it in the bin and maybe, maybe yeah. do something else. Um, Amy, thank you so much for giving us half an hour and giving us some time. Um, I've heard you tell the Good Loop story a couple of times, but it just like there's always something new. It just never gets old. And I just think it's, you are just <laughs> so unique in terms of what you do. So I'm, I'm absolutely delighted we managed to get you on the, managed to get you on the podcast. And of course, you've got a podcast of your own as well. Uh, oh, yeah. we should ta- thought, you know what the world needs is another podcast it does well all the um, middle-aged white blokes bought all the microphones from Amazon in the pandemic so no one else can do them now so it's just lots of well people like me doing podcasts about the things we like with about three listeners I think so uh, yes but what what is it and where can people find it it's called the good the bad and the advertising and the premise is we take gritty societal challenges and we address them like you would a client brief Mm. so we define the brief we define a target audience and then we try and solve it with a budget of zero pounds and then a budget of a million pounds and it's been so fun we've done like algorithmic bias we've done how to get people to pay for creativity we we've got some really interesting topics coming up and it's yeah it's super creative and i'm really enjoying it so yeah come and check it out and you can get it on the good loop site and i'd imagine anywhere else where you get your podcasts yeah other podcasting sites are available. are available amazing amy thank you so much for today i really appreciate it thank you for having me pleasure the iab uk podcast amy williams from good loop there if you ever wanted an example of a digital advertising business behaving in a sustainable way thinking about the impact they have on the industry and are in it for the long game you don't really need to look much further than a business like Goodloop. I just think everything from prioritising getting B Corp certified to their transparency around the impact report they produce on how much they'll donate to charity and good causes, which, by the way, 
is over £5 million by 2022, uh, no less. It really isn't a tough pitch to agencies and advertisers who have a focus on purpose and you know, who want to do the right thing with their media investment. I've really enjoyed that one. If you want to listen to more episodes in our Founders series or any of the episodes we've recorded for the podcast to date, you can find them all on ibuk.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.